Dell Tech Fest starts now. To thank you for 40 unforgettable years, Dell Technologies is celebrating with anniversary savings on their most popular tech. For a limited time only, save on select next-gen PCs like the XPS 13 Plus, where you can make the everyday easier with Windows 11. Plus, curate your dream setup with great deals on select monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at dell.com slash deals, you'll have access to leading-edge technology and free shipping on everything. Again, that's dell.com slash deals. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is The Rich Eisen Show. There's a certain limp I have today, like the rest of Jets Nation, because the football gods just won't stop <laughs> kicking us in the nards. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. It's tough to see because there's no chance on this planet that Aaron Rodgers should come back this year. Today's guests, Pro Football Hall of Famer Kirk Warner, ATP Tour player and Tennis Channel analyst Nick Kurios, Pro Football Hall of Famer Barry Sanders. And now, it's Rich Eisen. Ah, yes. Uh, it's time for another edition of the Rich Eisen Show right here on the Roku channel. And it's also right here on your radio dial, if you have such a thing. Uh, also, Sirius XM, Terrestrial, and Odyssey, and so much more. And for those listening, um, and those on the Roku channel can see, it's a, it's a Tan Tuesday. Um, I'm wearing one of those zip-ups uh, that's tan, and it's an honor of two guys wearing gold jackets today. Kurt Warner in 20 minutes, Barry Sanders in hour number three. How does that, how does that suit you? Hopefully it's good because I'm, I'm not changing. I'm in. Uh, this go. is what I got. This is what I got. I'm good to see you over there, Chris Brockman. How are you, sir? Rich, I'm great. What's up? I'm good. Nick Kyrgios is coming in studio in hour number two. Um, he is a uh, tennis player of note. Um, and there's <laughs> lots to talk about with him as he's strolling into these studios. Uh, DJ Mikey D is a D's nuts. What's going on? How I'm are you? I wear gold, but they're only gold sunglasses, blenders. Now, you had no idea that I was going to say no, that to start the show. I, so that's just I you being, it's just you just pivoting. I have props. I have props. <laughs> wow. That's the stuff from Un Dion. Unbelievable, Mike. Good to Where see you the over there, show? TJ. How are you, brother? How Good are you, man. sir? How are you doing today? Candles lit. Candles Lady lit. The candle smells like chocolate chip cookies in this piece. I'm just today. wondering how oh. you're doing as a Dallas Cowboy fan, knowing that the Philadelphia Eagles are the class of the National Football League officially. Yeah, well, it makes me want to vomit, i got to be honest. Am I, am, I, am I happy with it? Thanks for shooting us straight. Thanks for shooting us straight. It bothers me, Rich. Yeah, okay? Because guess what? That's what was decided last night. Who is the class of the National Football League? With all due respect to the San Francisco 49ers and the Detroit Lions, we started Monday's show by saying they are in the mix for the one seed, and they still are. And also, with all due respect to the eight-win, still the only eight-win team in the AFC Baltimore Ravens, and also the Dolphins, and anyone else that has Super Bowl aspirations this year, and there's a ton of teams in that regard. Uh, but the Philadelphia Eagles against the Kansas City Chiefs last night, a repeat of the Super Bowl, a rematch of the Super Bowl, and it was kind of a repeat. One team led by 10 points at the half and lost the game. 
And that's what happened last year in Arizona. The Eagles were the team that was up by 10 and they lost. And last night, the Kansas City Chiefs was up by 10 at the half and lost at home in the rain in a sloppy game. And the Chiefs were the ones who came out and dominated the trenches in the line of the scrimmage in the first half. They had over 120 yards rushing. DeAndre Swift had one more rush yard at halftime than Jalen Hurts had passing yards. Only one catch for eight yards for A.J. Brown in the first half, and that was the entirety of his output for the night. Killing me. And that's exactly what you want to do if you're taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. Pick off Hurts. That's what the Chiefs did in the first half. Sack him five times. That's what the Chiefs did in the first half. Let DeAndre Swift get some yards, but have them empty calories. That's what the Chiefs did in the first half. Make sure A.J. Brown doesn't catch the ball. And the Philadelphia Eagles came out of halftime and took more licks from the Chiefs in the third quarter, but kept the Chiefs off the board in the third quarter, and that has become a disturbing trend for the Kansas City Chiefs, who were held scoreless for the third straight time in the second half. That's not supposed to happen to an Andy Reid, Kansas City Chiefs offense, the Mahomes quarterbacked offense, certainly coming off a bye week, which is Andy Reid's strength. And the Eagles kept on ticking. And they scored a touchdown to make it a three-point game. And they turned over Mahomes twice. Uh, they turned over the Chiefs twice in the second half, uh, in, the, uh, in the red zone twice. Once in the first half, picked off Mahomes. And in the second half, Travis Kelsey knocked the ball loose, a little peanut Tillman punch. And the Eagles got the ball back midway in the fourth quarter in front of everybody in Arrowhead and drove the ball down the field. And Hurts, who couldn't get anything going in the first three quarters, goes up top to Devontae Smith down to the one-yard line. You know what's going to happen from there. Oh, yeah. The brotherly shove. And we heard from Chris Jones saying, I'm talking to people who play rugby for a living to try and figure out how to stop this thing. And the Eagles are like, okay, that's good to know. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Cool. <laughs> Two times it worked last night for Hurts to score. Two. And the Eagles just keep on doing what they do, which is not caring how it looks. I'm looking in the standings. They're 9-1 and one for the fifth time since 1966, right? Mm. There you go. And they are off to a remarkable start. And it's not pretty. And I looked at the standings this morning. You can look at them however you wish to look at them. There's no pictures on it. And they needed to win this game. Because there's a Lions sitting there at 8-2. and two, And there's the San Francisco 49ers sitting there at 7-3. and three. And the Lions have already beaten the Chiefs and a... Major tie break in the order of things in the NFL. It's third up after head-to-head and division record. If you are a tie break in the division record, it's it's record against common opponents. And the Lions have already beaten the Chiefs, and the Eagles could have lost to the Chiefs, and uh uh-oh, here we go. But instead, man, they just come at you. Fletcher Cox, Jalen Carter, what a madman. 
trying to <laughs> pick off a spike. That's the crazy. And getting called thing for ever. an offsides because he jumped the. I mean, and he almost <laughs> damn near. I mean, I wish he had picked it off. Just to have, oh, how many yeah, interceptions yeah, are yeah. waved off due to an uh, uh, an offsides? Many of them. Mm-hmm. How about an interception waved off to an offsides because it was a spiked ball? I've never seen that before <laughs> in my life. Do, do you know he said he saw high school kids on YouTube yeah, doing that? Why not? That's where he saw it. Unbelievable. Fletcher Cox, Jordan Davis, Kevin Byard, first quarter gets burned in the back of an end zone. Fool him once. Shame on him. And then fool him twice. Shame on you, if that's the phrase. He picked off Mahomes in the end zone. We can't get fooled again, Rich. They did not get fooled again. Shame on me. By the way, I mean, go ahead. Keep hitting them. They're not going anywhere. Nah. What a big time Stones W for the Philadelphia Eagles. Certainly slaying their Reed Chiefs dragon. They'd never beaten Andy Reed. They were 0-4 against their former coach when they played him in Kansas City Red. And now there they are, 9-1. and Good for them. Here is Nick Sirianni after the game about the message he delivered to his team. The, the message was just, how are we going to do this? How are we going to come into a hostile environment, win a game on the road, a regular season game on the road against a really outstanding, uh, against really outstanding players and really outstanding coaches? The only way to do that, we can't do that alone. We got to do that together. And that was the, the message. Um, you know, that was the message that we had all week is, is how, play together, together, together. And, um, Man, and, and it really, you know, it really showed itself tonight how together we were. Again, because that was just a gritty grind. Whoever was going to win that game was going to win it gritty, grimy. It wasn't pretty any on either side, right? And whoever was going to win that game was going to do it gritty, grimy, nasty, all those, all those, what are those, adjectives? Yeah, okay, thanks. I went to Mount Union, uh, but it is a good school. Um, but, you know, it was going to be that way. And, um, and the guys just stayed together and kept fighting and kept grinding it out. And, you know, we were able to come out on top. And it, it's a good point about sticking together because A.J. Brown at one point is got to be like, I've got two targets, it's halftime. I've yeah, got one, one exactly. pass. Yep. And then they come out for the first series in the second half and they run it twice and then have a third and seven quarterback draw called up and that gets snuffed out. And at one point in the first half, great shot from the uh, ESPN crew of Hertz changing a play and Kelsey looking over his left shoulder yeah. and shaking his head. No, we're going this way. <laughs> right, we're going and that then way. <laughs> they went that way. And Kelsey road graded for the first down for Hertz. Yeah. And, you know, quarterback could come off and the center could look at the quarterback and go, what, you know, what are you doing? Do you think that was by design? That's kind of what Troy said during the broadcast. Who knows? Like, I just, but it's, it's, it's filling. It's, it's, they're the perfect personification of the town. Just like, I don't care what you think. I know better. Right. Go follow me. You know? And then. They could be bickering with one another. Absolutely could. Yeah. Well, they did things, at one point. Well, and they yeah. were at one point, right? And so, and it worked out for them. But <laughs> that's this team. And woe to you. Every single time you watch them, you think they're done. They're toast. Not after this game. Now, they're going to have to prove it again. Next up for them, Buffalo Bills at home and also the San Francisco 49ers at home before they visit Dallas. Rubber meeting the road now, baby. Here we go. And then they're at Seattle. Things soften up with the Giants two out of three times wrapped around a home date from Arizona on New Year's Eve. I mean, but the next 
three, four weeks, rubber's meeting the road. We'll test it, test it again. But, I mean, what a big-time W last night. What a stones. Put it all out there on the table win for the Philadelphia Eagles. you got to give it up to them. We'll talk Kansas City Chiefs later on. State of the Union in uh, the Keystone State. So you got the Eagles on the eastern side doing what they did in Kansas City last night. And then the writing on the wall for Matt Canada that's been in large block letters from the fan base for a couple of years, now finally spelled red rum when you held up a mirror to it. And um, guess what? Bounced, fired as the offensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers, according to Jerry Dulac, who covers a team there in the great city of Pittsburgh. Uh, the code red ordered by Art Rooney the second from ownership. Which is an interesting choice. Seen enough. And, and you know, hey, I, I, it's interesting that ownership through this report puts its stamp on things because it is, according to uh, a report I saw on ESPN.com, it does appear this is the first time the Pittsburgh Steelers have made a coaching or coordinator change midseason since 1941. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Been a long time. <laughs> Is that possible? 1941. I'm going to have to look to see who this is was. Is the last time. <laughs> it was the guy that got fired. Because <laughs> I, yeah, I have fired. That is the last time. That's unbelievable. It happened. Uh, I saw that report on, uh, on the Worldwide Leader in Sports. Here, I'll read it for you. Uh, so, you know they mean business when it finally happened. Um, the Steelers had three head coaches that season. Burt Bell who was the half-owner of the team, went 0-2. <laughs> Aldo Dinelli went 0-5. And, and Walt Kiesling, hey, good hey. for him. He went 1-2-1. One, and one. So That's the Bert, last time. So Burt Bell was part owner. Did he fire himself? I guess and then became commissioner. I don't know. <laughs> uh, good stuff. It's a different time. Wow. He realized different he was time. over his head. So. <laughs> when the product was better, according to Tom Brady. We'll talk about that later uh, yeah, on. Yeah, maybe. And so, you know, hey, listen. Um, can you blame him? Because they're not switching the quarterback there. That ain't happening. Not with the way that Kenny Pickett played at the end of last season and then in the preseason. We were all thinking, this is, here we go, man. Hashtag. You know, Najee Harris and, you know, Jalen Warren and Kenny Kenny Pickett to George Pickens and Deontay Johnson. It's not like they're weaponless there. Fire move. And, you know, here we go. And uh, it's been terrible. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. It's been unwatchable. It's been terrible. Some of their wins is because the fourth quarter is picket time. He'll just yeah. start making plays and first downs. And maybe it's because Matt Canada was calling the game differently. I don't know. Check a burner account if that actually happened or not. But I think Najee Harris telling the media after the game, hey, you know, being asked the question, if, uh, you know, other teams knew what plays were coming, if – in other words, is the offense predictable? And it took him 10 Mississippi to give the answer to the question with an uh around six Mississippi. He was really thinking. If I'm the owner, I'm thinking, okay, um, let's get Coach Tomlin in here and have this very difficult conversation because you know he doesn't want to be the first head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers to make a coordinator change since 1941. Wow. But... Desperate times, man, and the desperate measures are Canada out, and it is apparently the quarterback's coach, Mike Sullivan, who's going to take over. 
So they're changing out a mat for a mic, and we'll see if the, the different voice, different set of eyes will at least come up with a win in week one, similar to what we saw in Western New York, Joe Brady taking over the Bills offense and play calling and making a difference. Because you look at the AFC, and there is a whole host of five and five teams sitting there in the sniffing it category, including the team that the Steelers, who are currently seventh in the playoff standings, are playing this week. The Bengals at five and five. You got the Broncos winning four in a row, five and five. You got the Colts coming off a bye, who take on the Steelers in a couple of weeks in Indianapolis at five and five. You got the Bills sitting there a half game behind at six and five. The Raiders, who made a change at head coach, and that obviously put some wind in the Raiders' sails. Five and six. If the Chargers wake up four and six, and then you got the Jets sitting there four and six. And by the way, let me just speak for Jets fans here. So, an offense is brutal to watch. And an offense is, say, like the Steelers. Just for instance. Mm, example. I have these numbers right here. The Steelers are uh, 28th in points per game. Yeah. They're 27th in touchdowns scored. 28th in yards per game. 31st in passing yards per game, with 170, by the way, in this passing league. 170 yards a game. And they're like, that's it. Offensive court. We we just need a new set of eyes (laughs) calling plays. (laughs) And the Bills have much better numbers than this. Say, that's it. We need a new set of eyes calling plays. But the Jets, mm -mm. (laughs) mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. The offense for the Jets, the Steelers 28th in points per game with 16.6. Jets are 30th. Touchdowns. Steelers have scored 14 offensive touchdowns. That's 27th in the league. Jets are 32nd. Kids call that DFL. Uh, 28th in yards per game. 280.1 yards per game was the uh, Steelers who just fired their offensive coordinator. Jets are 30th. Worse. In all three of those categories, uh, they do actually beat the Steelers in passing yards per game. Hey. Yeah, the Steelers hey. are 31st. Jets Congrats. are 30th. You Congrats. know what? That, may, that might have been one of the few passes Lazard nice. didn't drop. Oh. So all these things, Zach's the one who eats it. Because we, as Jets fans, are completely done with seeing him. And guess what? The reason why Nathaniel Hackett doesn't eat it is because number eight, who is working his ass off to try and speed bridge his way back across the George Washington Bridge, if he lands in JFK, he probably will, you know, uh, yeah, he's probably taking a teeterboro. He's probably teeterboro, flying yeah, private into teeterboro. Who am I kidding? Who am I kidding? He's not taking any bridges. Come on. No tunnels for him. He's not bridging tunnel. No. No way. The only bridge is in his foot. So he goes out I during mean, the week, come on. the weekend. Is what not mean. even, uh, you know, not even our friend who uh, who does uh, the uh, the voiceover for uh, Hard Knocks. Uh, Leo Schreiber. He's a, he's a helicopter guy. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. Bottom line is this. They're not firing Nathaniel Hackett because Rogers refuses that code red to be ordered. I just want to know who is 
helping with the game plan here internally. Jets won't say. Of course they won't say because that just puts more blood in the water. And there's a ton of it right now in the uh, in the Hudson River. And so I just wanted to throw that out there, Jets fans. The reason why they're not doing what the Steelers finally did and what the Bills shockingly did is because the quarterback who may return now and definitely we hope will return next year does not want it that way. And I don't believe he would even have to say anything because you know there was that whole thing about there's a list and he doesn't want a list and all of that stuff. So I'm not ascribing that he's pulling any strings. It just goes without saying. Because it's a bunch of problems. It's Zach. It's that offensive line on third, fourth, including fifth stringers, and then receivers who aren't catching. You know? Mm. And including some of the best that they have. So I'm just wanted to throw that out there to Jets fans. Also, guys, randomly, 1941, gas was 19 cents Thank a you gallon. very much. Nice. Well, well done, TJ. Yeah, yeah. Good. good job. Thank you. <laughs> All right. But uh, congrats to you, Steeler fans. And I feel bad for Matt Canada's uh, family. Could you imagine getting that news two days before Thanksgiving? Oh, that yeah. ain't happy. See, Rich, why do you got to put it in Because it's, like it's the truth. Because it's the truth, man. Now I feel bad. It is the truth. <laughs> 844-204-RICH, number to dial. Lots of time for phone calls today. Barry Sanders, Hour 3. The tennis player, Nick Kyrgios, what a fascinating figure he cuts on the tennis court and in that world, in studio, hour number two. But let's take a break. Kurt Warner's next. My Hall of Fame friend, fresh back from calling Eagles Chiefs for Westwood One Radio. That's next. This is The Rich Eisen Show. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Back on our radio network with Kurt Warner. I'm sitting at the Rich Eisen Show desk furnished by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger has the right product for you. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Kurt, your takeaway from calling Eagles Chiefs on Westwood One Radio on Monday night is what? Well, I mean, A, that they're both really good football teams. Okay. Uh, I think B, I came into it thinking that Philadelphia was the better team and would be able to dominate in the trenches. Uh, I left the game not thinking that, that uh, that Kansas City, I thought outplayed them for the majority of the game and outplayed them in the trenches. They ran the football extremely well uh, at over 120 yards rushing in the first half, which Philly hadn't given up all year. Um, and Kansas City had that in the first half. You know, their defensive line 
uh, I thought played great. Their defense as a whole played great. So I think I have uh, a better appreciation for who the Chiefs are after last night's game, even though they ended up losing the game, um, than I did going in. Now, we all understand the issues. We saw the issues specifically at the key moments at the end of the game with their receivers, which has been an issue all year long, and I believe it's affected Patrick Mahomes in the way that he plays. Um, but still, at the same time, you're playing against arguably the best team in the NFL, the best team in the NFC, and they dominated the game, and they should have won the game, in my opinion. Um, so that's probably my biggest takeaway. I think the other thing you realize is that Philly never panics, um, and they can win a lot of different ways. We talk about it all the time on our show, that they are one of those teams that can win a lot of different ways. So last night their offense just wasn't clicking. They they weren't making big plays. They weren't doing very much, and their defense stepped up and kept them in the game and let them hang around and hang around knowing that their quarterback and the playmakers on their team were eventually going to make plays. And um, I think that's the greatest thing about Philly right now is they're not clicking on all cylinders, but they've got enough ways to hang around in a football game that and enough playmakers that they will find a way in the end to make the plays uh, that they're supposed to make most of the time. Of your uh, take right there, Kurt, the one thing that leapt out at me that I want to dig into a little bit more is you're saying that you think the receiver issues in Kansas City, whether it's route running, whether it's catching the balls that, say, hit them in the hands, um, is affecting his way of playing. What do you mean by that? What are you seeing? Well, what I've seen on tape is that, you know, Patrick um, has been hesitant to to throw the ball um, on time and attack certain throws and reads that I've seen him, you know, make year in and year out since he came into the league is that he doesn't get enough credit for how he plays inside the pocket, how he plays on schedule to what, what he sees uh, on every given play. And there are just a number of times uh, this year where he just doesn't pull the trigger on throws and I can't figure out why, you know, I, I can't believe that's because he doesn't see it because he's looking in the direction. He always sees that sort of stuff. So I have to believe it's hesitation because he's not sure what's on the other end. He's not sure either what guys are doing. He's not sure that they're going to make the play um, or what that is, but it's affecting his ability to play the game. And um, so that's, you know, that becomes a whole nother concern is that what makes him so good is playing that way and then adding the special of Patrick Mahomes on top of it. If he's just got to be the special, we talk about it all the time. If you just feel like you have to buy time and run around and make a play every single snap, even if you're Patrick Mahomes, it's really hard to live in that world instead of just being able to make the layups and throw what's in front of you and trust the guys to just make the mundane routine plays. And I feel like right now he's going to keep slinging. He's going to keep throwing it to him. But there's you know a level of frustration and there's a level of, 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 of effect that it's having on Patrick and the way he plays the game. And in terms of Philadelphia, Buffalo and San Francisco at home next before a visit to Dallas on a Sunday night at Seattle over the next month. So there's some tough tests ahead of them. Which team do you think is best equipped? And it could be an AFC team as well. Could it be Baltimore? Could it be Miami if they're if they're they, they start clicking on all cylinders? Which team do you think, or it's the team they 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 beat last night, is best equipped? to keep the Eagles from the championship podium this year, Kurt? Um, 
I'm going to probably say, uh, and again, I always look at Philadelphia, and the first thing that I always think is the trenches. You got to be able to win the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. against them. Just like I talked about Kansas City, why I thought they dominated the game last night was because they won the trenches. And so when I think about that, you know, I think about, you know, two teams and one in the NFC, San Francisco. That is a team that can win the trenches. They obviously have playmakers and, and guys that can change the complexion of the game, but they can win the trenches. So I look forward to that game uh, with a healthy Brock Purdy uh, to see how that matchup plays out because we didn't get to see that in the NFC Championship game last year. But that's one team. And then the other team, and again, I, I guess I got to say outside of Kansas City because Kansas City surprised me but showed me that they've got the ability to do that, uh, I would say is Baltimore. You know, Baltimore is another team that can win the line of scrimmage, whether that's in the run game or the pass game. Uh, they can win it up front. And then defensively, uh, they do so many good things with their front and they can get after you. And there's a lot of different guys that can sack the quarterback. So that is another team uh, that I think could give Philly uh, a run for their money if uh, if they match up. Kurt Warner, my Hall of Fame friend from NFL Game Day Morning, Westwood One and QB Confidential, uh, where you can check it out on YouTube and uh, on all uh, social media outlets right here on the Rich Eisen Show. So watching the f- tape that you watch, Kurt, who is the quarterback that's seeing it, slinging it the best through 11 weeks in the NFL? What do you got for me here? You know, I actually just tweeted it this morning okay. um, that C.J. Stroud is playing wow. some really, really good football. Look at um, him. You know, I, was, I broke down just the first quarter and a half, and I had like 10 plays that I could have put on one of my YouTube videos as, as teaching tape. Really? You know, this is, this is how you, you know, use your feet and your eyes and connect them together. This is the kind of timing you need to have on a particular throw. This is how you climb the pocket. Uh, it's just so many good things that he's one guy that just jumps out at me right now, just in terms of playing inside the pocket, seeing it, processing it. Uh, so good. I, I think another guy is Brock Purdy. Uh, I know he took some hits a couple weeks ago when he was, uh, you know, throwing some interceptions, they were losing some games. But, um, you know, I, I tweeted that this morning, too, is that he had a perfect quarterback rating this past Sunday. And I don't even think it was close to his best game this year that, you know, I think it was kind of lower on the list of, of games that he's had, you know, just kind of worked out statistically that he gets a perfect rating. But he's played a lot better football than he even did this Sunday. So he's another guy that I know we want. Everybody wants to kind of knock him and it. Well, it's because of this, man, you just don't play this consistently and make this many throws, and especially throws down the field without being a really, really good quarterback. And I don't know when it, or what it's going to take for people to start believing that this kid is for real. Uh, and we see it each and every week. And so those are the two guys um, that really have jumped off the page. Obviously, different guys have flashes. I think Lamar's playing his best football. I don't think the situation around him as they build that offense is really clicking yet so it's not as smooth as, as maybe it could be uh but i think he's played some really really good football too and you know of course you've got you know patrick but uh, you know i talked about some of the issues that i see there and so that's why i say just kind of across the board start to finish um you know those two young guys to me have really jumped off the tape um you know showing me that they really know how to play the game how about that i'm asking you it's Thanksgiving week of 2023. Who has been slinging it the best and seeing it and throwing it with consistency more than most? And you name the second overall pick in this year's draft, 
and the last overall pick in last year's draft in a in a sports league that has just thrown one raw quarterback after another on the field two years in a row, Kurt. I mean, you take a look at the numbers at the quarterback spot. Last year, the most different starting quarterbacks in a single season in the history of the NFL, and I'm saying I see it since you know in 1950. I, I I go out and say unless you know what like the Canton Patroons started ten guys one year. I think this is the history of the NFL right here. Yeah. And 50 different starting quarterbacks have started through 11 weeks of 2023. Jake Browning will make it 51, for instance, this coming week for the Cincinnati Bengals. I, I think that record from last year is being threatened right now. Tim Boyle will be 52. Uh, first up on Friday for the Jets. And and I'm just wondering, you know, um, how you get these guys ready. They're just, there's no time. We 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 had a conversation, right, with Mike Vrabel in, in London about the Tennessee Titans quarterback situation with Malik Willis and, and Will Levis. You know, are they ready? And this is when Tannehill was about to get injured. Nobody knew. And, and he's like, I, I don't, I don't know. So yeah. how, how, how do you see the 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 quarterback you know world right now kurt where kids are all right and then mostly not well i, I think a big thing you know and maybe you know what we're seeing when i'm, I'm talking about guys like brock purdy and cj stroud is maybe something that we're seeing is you know these guys that have truly learned how to play the position and have played the position a lot uh even at lower levels uh how that translates to the next level. You know, we, we fall so much in love with the physical aspect of things uh, anymore. And, you know, we look at that man, he's got this big arm or he can run around and do this. Uh, but sometimes those guys get away with a lot more because quite honestly, they're the best athlete on the field. And if they're not seeing it, they can run around and, and create a play. When you get to this level, that is a really, really hard thing to do. Um, you know, unless maybe you're, a guy like a Kyler Murray or a guy like a Lamar Jackson, who still maybe at this level are the best athlete on the field. So they have room to kind of grow through, you know, that, that growth period of, of learning more how to be a pocket passer and, and dissecting defenses. But that to me is, um, you know, when, when you take these guys that, that aren't those kind of athletes, and then, you know, just like you're talking about, you, you put them in and they're in a backup role and you don't have the reps to be able to teach them, to be able to, you know, give them experience, seeing it, understanding the speed, understanding the process and, and uh, you know, the difficulty of an offense in the National Football League versus an offense, um, you know, in college football. They just don't get the opportunity and experience to learn the game. And so Brock Purdy, you know, we can say what we want about all the physical. The guy played four years in college and he got a whole bunch of experience playing the game and that's exactly what i'm seeing on the field right now and so that to me is where it's so limited now for these guys and i don't know how you get them ready you know i said this when i got cut by green bay way back in 94 and you know at the time you know you're crushed you get you know you, you get cut you were hoping to just make the squad be the number three guy whatever uh you know i joke all the time from the time i was cut in 1994 until the day i retired in 2009, Brett Favre did not miss a single start in the National Football League. <laughs> he didn't miss a single start. So had I made it with the Packers, 
I would have been that guy. I would have been the guy sitting on the bench, hoping to get a few reps in preseason every single year, but never getting any reps to be able to get better. I got cut. I went and played in arena football for three years. I played in Europe for a year. I got so many reps um, of playing the game and experiencing the game and experiencing all situations of football that when I came back in 99, I was so seasoned as a quarterback and ready to step in and play where these guys that we're talking about that find themselves in a backup role for a year, for two years, having not played really any football outside of a little bit of preseason, um, you know, how do you get them ready? You know, how, how are they prepared for all the stuff the NFL is going to throw at them? And I think that's what we're seeing. I, a few weeks ago, I was watching tape, and the thing that jumped off the page was I was watching some of these backups play, mm-hmm. and I was just like, "Oh my gosh, the you know the the cavity between a starting quarterback in the National Football League and a backup quarterback just was so big when I watched these guys play that you start to appreciate those you know however many guys that is twenty two, twenty three, twenty five guys in the world." that are starting quarterbacks in the national football league because they're different than everyone else. Um, you know, so I think that's part of it too, is it's just different to be at that level. But the second thing is with all the rule changes and everything now, no, you know, developmental leagues, you know, that was the the thing I was signed by the Rams was able to go over to Amsterdam and play and get experience um, that it really is hard to get those guys reps and to truly have someone ready to step in you know, because you look at the Bengals who were hot, right? They're trying to make a run to the playoffs. And all of a sudden you got to you plug somebody in and play that hasn't played any football. So even if they're eventually good enough, how long does it take them mm-hmm. to get up to speed? You know, because you lose two or three games right off the bat, you're done. You're out of it. And, you know, so it, it is such a tough, tough thing. And I, I don't know what the answer is, um, you know, to be able to get these guys ready and, and get them prepared. So whether he's a young guy that they want to eventually take over for the team or just a backup that's got to step in and play because we're seeing so many starting quarterbacks get injured. I don't know how you prepare them to be ready to go when they step between those lines. And I I know you were in the booth, you know, Monday night calling Chiefs and the Eagles and then traveling. I don't know if you saw Tom Brady's um, conversation with Stephen A. Smith on Stephen A.'s show where he said that the football in today is mediocre. It's a mediocre prod product. And I think you're kind of touching on that a little bit here, the Delta yeah. between starting quarterback and backup quarterback. When you played, when I was growing up, the backup quarterback was a seasoned veteran, you know, with a ton of, a ton of time, most often than not. Now it's just a kid that makes less because of the salary cap that doesn't get in, you know, time um, in the off season because it's legislated out. They can't enter the building until a certain time. They don't get reps on the amount of reps that people are allowed to have. The developmental leagues are gone, and they're the ones who are throwing guys not open. They're throwing guys into coverage, and then guys are getting blown up by defensive players who get fined and flagged for playing football because the quarterback and the offensive player doesn't know. Don't go there. You know, pre-snap, the defense is telling you, don't go there. Don't throw it there. I think this is all mixed together here, Kurt, you know? There's, there's no question. And, you know, I have lots of theories on lots of different things that, um, you know, in this world of, of football, we've got a lot more what I call pure progression type systems. And so what is a pure progression type system? It's a system that's set up where 
you get a play and the coach basically tells you you're going to read it the exact same way, pure progression. This guy, the X receiver's number one, the Y receiver's number two, the Z receiver's number three. Doesn't matter what the coverage is. That's how you're going to read it. And you're going to look at that receiver. And if that receiver's open, throw it to him. And if he's not open, then move to the next guy. Now, I understand the theory behind it. The theory is now I can take these young quarterbacks that don't get a lot of reps, don't get a chance to see defenses, and I can plug them in and boom, they know the reads just one, two, three, four. They don't have to worry about anything. They just read it through. Or we've got a great athlete at the college level and we want to play him early. So he hasn't learned all the nuances. So let's put him in a pure progression system. And he's just got to look and see if a guy's open, throw it to him. I think that's one of the most detrimental things for quarterbacks because you're not teaching them truly how to play the position. When you play the position, in my opinion, you let the defense dictate where you're going with it. So I don't want to ever look at my receiver and have to decide, is he open or is he not open? Is there enough space for me to throw it or not? I want to be able to look at a defender and go, okay, is that defender covering the deep receiver or the short receiver? And once I know that, I want to be able to get the ball out of my hand. So I'm reading both one and two at the same time where another quarterback has to go one, see if he's open, go to two, and it slows the process down. And a lot of what you're talking about becomes when you're leading guys into coverage or you're throwing them you know, into defenders, it's simply because these guys are going, well, is he open or is he not open? I think there's enough space. Let me fit it in there as opposed to kind of what Tom Brady's talking about and how he played the game. I'm going to let the defense dictate it. So if a defender's sitting there, I know I can't throw it there and I move on to the next guy right now. And so there's all kinds of things that I think are going on in the league to try to say, okay, we got to get these young guys ready and we got to get them on the field and we got to figure out how to have success. And ultimately, those are the things, in my opinion, that are hurting these guys because it's not truly teaching them, even if we say that's at the college level. It's not truly teaching them how to play the position. So when they maybe make that transition to the NFL and they have to play the position, they don't know how. They're not ready to do it. And now they have to get up to speed against the best players mm. in the world and the best <laughs> schemes in the world. And it's why you see, you know, so many of these guys struggle. And again, the guys that can survive, um, you know, again, I'll use Kyler Murray as, as a guy here that's still learning how to play the position, but because he's such a gifted athlete and such a gifted thrower, he gets a little bit more time because he can create and do things that nobody else can do. So he buys himself extra time being successful with those other traits while he learns the game. But then there's a guy like me, I have, I got no chance. I either have to know how to play the game or I am going to be swallowed up by this league. And I think that's what we see. Um, you know, look at Zach Wilson, right? We've talked about him a lot. You yes. being a Jets fan, you know, he didn't play a lot in college. He's still learning how to play the game. He's got all these expectations because he was the number two pick overall, and he's not ready yet. He's not ready to play the game and to see it and to understand it, yet doesn't matter. He's in there, so we expect him to have to play at that level. And, you know, you, you try to do some of this stuff. Okay, we're just going to give you pure progression stuff to give you a chance. And ultimately, it hurts them because I'm sitting here waiting to see if this guy is going to be open. Then by the time I get to the next guy or the next guy, I'm getting hit in the face. We're not blocking anybody. I've got absolutely no chance to play the game where you have to play it faster. So I have a lot of theories. Yes. But to Tom Brady's point, um, 
you know, I think some of those theories lend itself to so many of these guys not truly understanding how to play the position, and it's leading to really, really bad football. Great ball talk. Have a great Thanksgiving with Brenda and your fam, and we'll see you soon. You take care. All right, you too, my man. There's the one and only Kurt Warner. Great chat. Love talking ball with him. When we come back, Bill Belichick's back from his bye. Who's the quarterback there? Oh, boy. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Fantastic. Mooch is on What the Football with Susie Schuster and Amy Trask later today. Get it wherever you get your podcasts and on our YouTube page as well. Great chat with Kurt Warner, man. And so the starting quarterback for the uh, New England Patriots this week could be Mac Jones again, who has the most experience, obviously, and um, has just totally regressed since his first stellar rookie season. And it was stellar. It really was. It's good. And um, playoff appearance, Pro Bowl spot, doing the gritty in Vegas, having fun, being Mac Jones, jerseys being sold everywhere, and then the roof is caved in. Bailey Zappi, who got the gig at the worst possible time last week, needing to get a touchdown with hardly any time left. (laughs) Fake spike interception. Three words I didn't think I would say that day in Germany. (laughs) Or is it Will Greer? Ton of experience in West Virginia, but not since then. Nope. All right, Bill Belichick. The floor is yours. Bill, has a decision been made on the starting quarterback for this weekend? Yeah, I've told all the players the same thing. Be ready to go. So, hopefully, they will be. Have you made a decision on the starting quarterback regardless yeah, of what I've told everybody to be ready to go. Have you given any thought to uh, having a few different players play quarterback on Sunday? The kind of thing where you might sort of mix guys in depending on, on situations? Yeah, I've told all the players to be ready to go. Apparently, he said he's told everyone to be ready to go be eight to, times in the interview, in the in the session. Oh we gosh. just showed you three. Jeez. Hey, listen, man. Um, they're, they're out of options there. They have three. There's really none right yeah, now. I mean, none. Mac Jones, Bill had to – I totally understand why he pulled him. I mean, he had – uh, he had, he, had, he had one touchdown in the end zone, overthrew him, should have been picked, wasn't. 
One touchdown for the guy in the end zone. Totally underthrew him. He's a broken player. And Bailey Zappi is definitely... By the way, when I saw him on the field, he he is... He's... I don't... I I think Bryce Young's taller than him. Than Zappi? Yeah. He didn't strike me as very... uh, Very tall. Great. And then I don't know if that's a measure that really matters anyway. The only thing that matters, Rich, is losing I know this that. game on Sunday. I know that's that. all that matters. Lose. Lose to so the out. Giants. The Let's Giants. Go two and fifteen. That's not what Belichick's about. Nor the Patriots. They want to win every game, man. I I got the sense they are done with this. Great. Let's start winning in 2024. Mm-hmm. Lose the rest of this year, get that one of these happen. kids, and let's rock and roll into the future. I think they want to win them out, buddy. Well, that's insane. And it's that not would insane. do nothing but piss off the fan base. Nobody wants that. So you will sit there and you will be happy watching them lose and play terribly and having the brand just ap- – everybody's brand. The brand? Everybody's brand. The brand's taking a hit. There's six banners the, up there, the man. The Kraft brand, brand, brand the Absolutely Belichick brand. Not. No brand is taking a hit. Do you think Bill wants to have a 2-15 and 15 season on his record? Who cares? Okay. He what, does. Didn't Jimmy Johnson go 1-15? and 15? Well, that was or, at the beginning of a 10-year. Worked year. out. Yeah, he's going to be in the ring of honor now. Worked out. Yeah, I mean, what do you want Bill to get the losses record before he gets the wins record? Nah. Great. You know who you know who has the most interceptions in NFL history? Brett Favre. He's got a bust. As Bill will one I mean, day. Bill's getting a bust. I get I get it. He doesn't need to do anything else. I think it's gonna be Mac Jones. How do you like that? I think it's gonna be Mac again. And that's fine. He stinks. That ensures a loss on Sunday. Uh, I don't know about that, but I don't know about that. Tommy DeVito is coming up. You know, I, I, I got to be honest with you. I think it's going to be Mac, and I think it's... Quick, short leash. Or is it, is it Will Greer? I don't Why uh, not give him a whirl? Why not, why why not give why, him a whirl? Why where's Willie Cunningham? Well, I, I think that was just one. Like, they signed him to a three-year deal, right? And then they cut him, and is he back on the practice squad? I, I, I think he's on the practice we squad. We didn't have any... Like, we had. Let me tell you what, who, who didn't get brought up in our pre-broadcast meeting between before Patriots and Colts. That, he... Well, I mean... Yeah, I, Bill I mean, wasn't going to just share what his thoughts on Malik Cunningham. No, we had to ask him understood, about him. Understood. But yeah, I, I I don't know. Maybe it'll be Will Greer because I mean Zappy is just not going to be. No, absolutely not. I mean, if look, if they really want to try to win the game, let me, which they do, I'm telling then you, then throw you Will Greer out saying there. That. You keep I'm, I'm saying that. I'm just saying the that. fans do not want it. And I wins. understand what the reality is on the ground. Yeah, the fans <laughs> do not right? want more. The wins. reality is on the ground. Is that the Crafts want W's, the Crafts want W's, and Bill wants W's, and they're working towards W's. Now, not working towards having the most amount of losses to threaten Carolina's final record on behalf of the Bears. They're not doing that. What does going six and eleven do this year? Um, better in their minds than two and fifteen. There's nobody in that building at one Patriot place saying, "How can we lose the most?" None of them. Sorry to tell you. Deep down, they know it's the truth, though, and they should do it. Sorry to tell you, though, the reality. Nick Kyrgios coming up.